0: I did see the poster. I think it's a very inventive poster. I don't know if I love it, but it's yeah.
1: at least better than Floating Heads. It is. I I, did, I think I remember the last one having pretty decent posters too, right? Or was it just like a portrait uh, well, of Ghostface? Of, I thought it was like the same kind of uh, Floating
0: Heads, but wasn't wasn't one of them like all of them were holding a Scream mask? Something like, I like, like, like that. I feel like I remember... One of them, it was, uh, what's his name? Jack Quaid, right? Uh, holding a mask,
1: yeah. And I seem to remember, or maybe I think they did
0: character posters for each of them, and that was what that was that all of them
1: individually were holding a a ghost face killer. I seem to remember there being one, it may have been a fan poster, but that was one where it was like comprised of like VHS tapes or something like that, and it kind of formed a ghost face, uh, mask a little Uh, bit. Uh, that may have been a fan one. one. The one
0: that's like the main poster, the one that's on the the like Blu-ray 4K, it, it makes me think of like the Dune poster. Oh yeah, as well. And again, it is just floating heads, like basically
1: doing a pyramid type thing. You know, I just I it's I have the same thing with trailers, and um, but it, it's just like it, posters are a complete lost art, at least mainstream like, studio-release posters. Agreed. Mostly yeah. terrible. Even movies I really like nowadays, like Banshees of Inisherin, Sharon, I think the poster is so... It tells you not absolutely nothing. It's literally just the backs no. of, like, Colin Farrell and... Uh, and um, I'm forgetting, Brendan Gleeson. Like, it's just the backs yes. of them. With, like, one looking at but the other. But you get a dog. And a dog. As well. But it tells you There's nothing about on the beach. movie. It, it, is
0: it... Th- it's like the last scene, right? It's like the last basically. shot, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Little, not to give too much i mean but it's like yeah um i loved that movie i watched that recently and like it blew me away and then i was looking at it up later and i'm like you could have so many other great posters here you could do something with donkey you could do something with like just the other townspeople with like i don't know you know um
0: i know we talked about it a little bit uh what's the guy's name the the weird looking idiot one barry barry coat barry keegan Kate Keegan, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just I loved his character so much. And when he has that line of, well, there goes that dream. Yes. And I'm just
1: I'm absolutely crushed. Oh yeah. Uh honestly he he absolutely is put on my like creeping into all time favorite performers. Just like he's yeah. fucking amazing. Um I just remember even like first seeing him in Dunkirk being like, Who's this fucking weird kid? You know, there, yeah, that just, he Duncan, kinda, I actually kind of enjoyed him in the Eternals movie. I didn't I think really it was great at all.
0: Yeah, but I I kind of liked his performance, and he's in that one that's um, killing of a sacred deer.
1: Yes. Oh my god! Absolutely the, amazing. Colin Farrell's. Yeah. Ferrell's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the. I mean, like I think I feel like Dunkirk is. I I, re- I took notice of him. I was like, this kid is interesting. He's very strange. And his character, just the way in Dunkirk, he just kind of bumps his noggin and dies. <laughs> like, it's so sudden and upsetting. Um, going from that to, like, that, I think it was the same year, then seeing him in Killing with Sacred Deer, just, like, I was like, this guy is, like, somebody to know. He's gonna do There's some incredible some things, yeah.
0: Real range in, in what he's able to do, yeah. And
1: just, like, he's got this energy that nobody else can match, you know? Like, just... It feels like to me, especially in In a Sharon, which I think is my favorite performance of his now. Um it just feels Not like the, the Joker. Joker. he's honestly pretty good as a Joker though. That deleted scene. <laughs> I, I do think it was pretty good. Um weird that, that that the Batman is still one of my favorite movies of 2022. It's probably in the top five for me. <laughs> I like that fucking movie. But um just the way that in In a Sharon, it feels like every single second of his performance he is making an interesting character decision. He's doing oh, yeah. something different with his face, with his body language, which is like literally no wasted second of screen time for him. Just absolutely. Right. Yeah. Oh. And
0: just the uh, another thing of like, oh, what do you think this stick's for? Hooking things that are <laughs> stick's length away. It's like just so fun. And then line. the way that yeah. comes back at the end, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that like your non-horror recommendation you saw
1: oh Benchies? yeah she's totally yeah. oh yeah 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 even then even then throw horror elements to it like it's kind of well, little fucked there's, up there's some gore there's some which is i yeah. had
0: i had seen the trailer and that they kind of get into that and i wish i hadn't even seen yeah, it i was just going in I did,
1: I did not see the trailer i did not see the trailer i knew, knew that th-
0: like he threatened to cut his fingers off and mm-hmm. then like i was like oh we'll never get to that like that'll be <laughs> it's like oh no like 40 minutes in something
1: like that it's already happening it's it's wild um great movie absolutely one of my favorites of 2022 which is you know hey maybe that's what else we can kind of segue into like just other top picks of 2022 uh well let me give my
0: non-horror recommendation yes. that I saw. I uh was trying to I kept track of all the new movies I watched this year, things I'd never seen before, and I was able to hit 160 movies I'd never seen. Uh not including like all the things I rewatched, showed Brittany throughout. Uh but I was at uh 159, I was like, you know what? I can fit in one more, I've got the time. I've never seen Roadhouse. Let's put this on, oh, and yeah. I was fucking blown away with Dude. how entertaining that movie was. It, it, I don't think it was good or great, but I had such a fun time watching it. It was four stars, like automatically.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, four stars. That's the perfect rating for that. That's so fucking good. I, I love that movie. Just like, there's so many little details about it that really make it stand out. Uh, amongst, yeah. like, because it, it, it could just be a mediocre action movie, but the reason it really, right. like, is iconic it, is that, that there's just this fucking strange decisions.
0: Yeah. Right, I didn't know how, like, how it would devolve into that, where, like, the the last thing
1: is Ben Gazera getting Dude. four shotgun oh. blast to the chest and before then then, <laughs> he like goes down, and then the town, including the police, is just like, "Wow, we didn't see nothing." Just like letting it <laughs> right, slide. Yeah. It's just so good. No, there's so many good choices in that. Like the fact that the the bad guys do like their stakeout in a monster truck, like the least yeah. inconspicuous thing in the world. Uh, you have like <laughs> fucking um, Sam Elliott, like showing off oh, his pubes great. like it's I, <laughs> insane yeah that
0: was that was amazing I love the scene where um, they're, him and the docker are dancing in the diner Oh, yeah. And he's like, I... So she's like, oh, this is the part where you tell me how, how he's, Dalton's such a good guy and whatever. And he goes, no, this is the time where I tell you I want you to myself. Dude, you re- you
1: really think that they're going to have a three-way? Like, yeah. the, the sexual tension between both of them and Sam Elliott is fucking crazy. Uh, no, it's great. The fact that the band is performing behind, like, that cage. Wall and the right. and the it guitarist was, is blind like is blind it's yeah. so fun I think it's Jeff Healy. Oh. I Think it's the that guy's name. But, um, um Yeah. Keith David. Keith David Keith has David. Like, a tiny tiny role in it. Yeah. No, so much it is good. The fact that like what is it like he went to NYU and got a degree in philosophy like Philosophy. Dude, right. just like every single little choice in that is so memorable. Yeah. <laughs> um I watched cuz I also did the same thing. First watches of 2022, I had 239 movies. Um, wow that's not counting movies from 2022 i had 29 of those it, Got right. kind of slacked there um and that's Jeez. not counting rewatches that's just new stuff i had seen um All do right, i remember well, I do i remember to, a quarter pump of it? Up those numbers look i can't tell you if i there's so many movies in this list though just looking through it i can't tell you a single thing that happened like in them uh um,
0: I, I i remember i watched like about a year ago, Ninja Three, the Dominion, oh, or whatever the domination. And like, oh yeah, domi- zero memories of any. You of don't that
1: remember movie. the incredible fifteen-minute opening, uh, like Ninja showdown. I, I remember on the golf she course.
0: has a, a cool apartment. The apartments but besides great. Besides that, like, yeah, it's, the music's it's
1: all gone. awesome in that. Um, but the the opening sequence, the, like the, on the golf course, with the the ninja fighting the police, is fucking incredible no it's gone, All oh, gone. okay you'll have to rewatch that at the very least Like, <laughs> um like i watched uh let me see we we'll just pick one out that i just like I, I cannot tell you a single thing about it um fucking uh a lot of these are pretty you know hellbender i can't tell you what the hell hellbender is about i think that was a 20 it 2022 release it was a shutter movie i think okay next yeah, of kin with, speaking of patrick swayze next of kin with him and uh what's his face liam neeson i uh, don't know can't tell no, you
0: never saw that yeah
1: crypt of the vampire no idea christopher lee's in it apparently <laughs> um anyway talking about a movie that i found extremely memorable since i first saw it in 2013 this is the weekly podcast massacre and i am your host for today my name is greg and with me, as always, coming to us from Portland.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm Michael from Portland. Uh,
1: everyone calls me Murphy. Sorry to step on you there with the Portland thing. I think it, you, I feel like you, that, that yeah, threw you, cut- you off. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Um, I'm from Los Angeles, and we are here to discuss horror movies. Every each month, we got a different theme, and uh, this theme to celebrate the beginning of 2023. We were talking movies that we have. Uh, already covered and their remakes this month. Uh, this is New Year, New Look. And today we are talking about Evil Dead from 2013. The remake of the perennial horror classic. Uh, the Sam Raimi film. This is directed by Fede Alvarez. And the stars Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Jessica Lucas, Lou Taylor Pucci. Pucci? His name was spelled P-U-C-C-I.
0: Okay, so here's the thing.
1: Poochie needs to
0: be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. (laughs) And anytime Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie?
1: Look, uh, to to tip my hand, Lou Taylor Poochie. I wish he had a time machine and could have gone back and solved all of this for everybody. Like, ter- speaking of just characters that don't deserve it, like, he's a, he fucks up. He reads from the book. What do, but... he,
0: what do you mean doesn't deserve it? He's the one that starts everything. Yeah,
1: but it's just, like, you know, curiosity. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, then we have Elizabeth Blackmore as Natalie, just to round out the other uh, members of the cast. And uh, one or two other actors I'll highlight. There's not a lot. Very small cast in this one. but Right, um... just
0: like the original, like, we have just uh, five you know, 20-somethings, and yes. uh, a dog. And a dog. That, that may be one of the bigger differences. There's uh, a dog this The time.
1: dog is Grandpa, played by Inca. That's right. Inca is the name of the performer.
0: Um, which made me think of Netflix's love, how Gillian uh, J- Jacobs, her cat in it, is named Grandpa. That
1: is right. Hey, speaking of and Gillian I'm Jacobs. watching that now. Speaking yeah. of, did you know she originally auditioned for the role of Mia in this movie? Uh, I
0: would have been interested in seeing that version.
1: I think she could have killed it, honestly. And it's just, is it is interesting seeing that, like, I do feel like Gillian Jacobs and um, Jane Levy do have a somewhat similar vibe and look to them. It's the huge eyes. They both have, like, massive doe yeah, eyes. Yeah,
0: you know? more pale and almost a classic Hollywood look.
1: Yes, for both of them.
0: Yeah, I would say. Right.
1: Yeah, so I honestly, I think the movie still could have really worked with Gillian Jacobs uh Jane Levy though uh she is the MVP all-star champ of this movie with Poochie close behind I think Poochie's great in this I think Poochie
0: gives a really good performance there's a lot of um especially I mean we'll jump all over this but like after he gets nail gunned and he just starts laughing
1: oh my god yes yeah so good yeah real fun when that scene ends yeah uh so I, I watched this twice for this uh record. Um I did a good a, a decent amount of research, read a few interviews, and the second watch I did was with the cast and crew commentary. Um Fun. so the commentary is done with Fede Alvarez, uh Jane Levy, Jessica Lucas, I believe yes, Jessica Lucas, and uh uh Poochie himself. And uh uh <laughs> director of Don't Breathe Too, uh is it Roto Ayagas? I think you say his I name. I believe so. Uh, Roto Sayagas, sorry about that. He was very quiet during the whole commentary. He literally had a couple of things to chime in of just like, "Oh, yeah, in the original script, this was that." But also, I, I know him and Fede. They're uh, from Uruguay, and they're both non-native English speakers. Fede speaks very well. He speaks very good English now. But I think I feel like Roto still is not uh, totally fluent. Is what it, I got. The vibe I totally got. Um, let's wind back though. This is a remake. Of one of the all time fucking great movies. One of my all time favorite movies. The movie right. that made me a fan uh, of horror. The original I was movie gonna say, then. the
0: we originally watched this in our
1: October
0: twenty twenty one month. Uh that was just all of our favorites. And this was your pick of like one of your favorite movies. The it, movies it was, that uh, like really scared us. It was the first like I, the I first
1: yeah, movies that first really terrified us. Yeah. Um and yeah, this was my pick for that month because, like, I've told sorry in the podcast, but was not a hor- horror fan. Had seen a handful of horror things, but was still at that point in my life when I'm like uh, eleven or so, where just like I, I legitimately, anytime the trailer for The Grudge came on TV, I found <laughs> an excuse to leave the room because it just fucking scared me that much. Um, I saw like the one frame of the of The Grudge where. She's got, like, a fist coming out of her head when she's in the the shower. The knuckles, yeah. And it made me not want to take a shower for a long time. I mean, I already don't want to shower ever, and, uh, you know, (laughs) that just made things all the worse. Uh, So I I was a real, real fucking coward when it came to movies. And the content I consumed, aside from video games, horror video games, I've always been a fan. Had loved Resident Evil my whole life. But anyway... And if I remember correctly,
0: you started with, like, Army of Darkness
1: that was the one i had watched a million back, right? times as a kid yeah yeah um my older brother would put it on for me and my younger brother and uh would instinctively know when to mute it to hide the language in it um so like when ash tells sheila to fuck off he would like mute it for the one second he needed to to hide the language so i loved that movie my brother was at a borders uh <laughs> And in the DVD section, and we saw the original Evil Dead on DVD, we knew it was part of that franchise. We both assumed this is a comedy. This is going to be a laugh riot. It's going to be Ash doing goofy antics. You know, it's going to be silly. The demons are going to be, like, cracking jokes and things like that. And it was still, to this day, one of the most terrifying experiences of my life, watching that alone. Um, There's not a lot of comedy in the first one. Like, it gets more injected in two and then yeah. three is just kind of off the walls crazy well but it's like we it's, we it's... talked about in that episode i'm pretty sure we talked about it but like um you know what no maybe it was a little later because i because just this past like summer the evil dead game came out and yeah. when that came out i went through the whole franchise again save for this one and i still never finished ash vs evil dead which is blasphemy i, I should finish that but going through it again, I, I watched the first one again with commentary, the original, and uh, that original, like it, it was interesting. Ramy mentioned on the commentary, it was kind of funny because the commentary for this new one is kind of what I wanted from the commentary with Ramy and the old one, where um, this new one they were talking about where different story ideas came from, you know, they were talking about okay, this is how we accomplished this effect. Things like that, right? And this is, like, you know, just the kind of... This is what this day of shooting was like. The one with, with like, Sam and Bruce Campbell and uh, I think it's Robert Tappert uh, who also produced this one. Um, It was really just about the harsh conditions they were under and then getting the movie released. Like, it wasn't a lot about actually, like... Oh, this is how we pulled off this crazy fucking dismemberment effect. It was more like, yeah.
0: well, this is where I broke my tooth. This yes. is where uh, we didn't have any running
1: water. It was right. cold. It was like, I mean, it was so interesting, but it was mainly just like at a certain point to move on from like the filming process. I'm like, no, I want more of that. I want, how did you get this like effect? And what was like, what goes into creating the look of the deadites? What, you know, where did sure. this idea come from? But anything, anyway, one thing he said that I thought was really interesting was that like uh, you talked about how there's not much comedy in it, but he approached it like comedy, even though that one is pretty much a straight horror movie. The thing he said was that like without the gag, this movie has nothing to stand on. Yeah. And he kind of elaborated as, like the movie's not he and I'm paraphrasing him a little bit and I may be misquoting, but he was like, there's not really much this movie is about aside from getting an audience reaction. Like there's not the characters aren't deep, they're they they're there just enough so that they're for the purposes of the of the gags, you know.
0: Right. There's no real message. There's no right. Like
1: theme, it's, I it's, would say. It's purely just it. to entertain and shock the audience. That's really maybe, all. Maybe it was. besides
0: just like curiosity killed the cat. Yeah, it was it's like I, you know, and I even talked about it last October. You know, Ghostbusters, one of my favorite movies of all time, like is literally saying nothing. <laughs> like, There is almost no theme or saying like nothing real meaning behind that movie. It's just like, yeah, three men start a business. And oh, like, that's th- if you
1: like dig hard there. enough, there is some stuff about like small business owners, maybe. But even then, not really like. Right, you know. and it's
0: like a libertarian
1: yeah. view of like, oh, regulation, bad. Right, BPA is um, the villain, yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, it what, It is interesting for, you know, what, as he was saying, uh, approaching it like a comedy, and this is not anything that's hasn't been visited a hundred times, but horror and comedy are very, you know, very close to each other. It's all about timing. That's why Jordan Peele was just so effortlessly, like, went in from, like, one of the funniest people of all time to one of the hit horror directors of our generation. Like, three movies, and he's already up there. Yeah. Every movie of his from now on is going to be
1: Jordan Peele's blank. It's an event, yeah. Right. Totally. Um And I feel like Fede Alvarez, He he, with the release of this, because this came out and was so well-received that he kind of had that juice nowhere near on the level of, of peel because he wasn't established before this. But like, I feel like don't breathe was a, I mean, it was a huge success and a big part of that was like, Hey, this is the director of the evil dead remake. Um, and rewatching this, we'll get into like exactly what we think about it and go through the plot. Um, because there's way more plot in this one than there is in the original. Um, but to, like to the detriment,
0: honestly, it as much as I enjoy teeny this movie, teeny bit, teeny it bit. is it. It feels. I mean, it's only what ninety three minutes. It's it, not yeah. long at all. I, d- um, I watched the f-
1: unrated cut, which is six minutes longer for the oh, first okay. watch. I did not yeah. see that.
0: It 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 feels much longer. Um, uh, to get into it, it's I don't know it, it feels more than 93 minutes to me and it I'm, is different I'm looking at my watch
1: that's that's one of the things that I think the pacing is a, a tad wonky and the extended edition there's not really much to write home about in terms of what was extended really like honestly it's kind of some some stuff that was like it's very funny there's part of the commentary where the commentary is only for the theatrical one it was recorded mm. before they did this uncut version that they released and Fede keeps talking about a potential director's cut coming out. But he even says like when he's talking about what was cut, he was like, "Yeah, we didn't we found that didn't work for pacing or we thought that was cheap." And then you watch the director's cut and I'm like, "It's back in there." So it's like Yeah. <laughs> you put the stuff you didn't like back in just to release some extended cut. Um, you know, to make just, that money. Yeah, it really doesn't add too much uh to it, but yeah, you're right, you need a marketing hook for the Blu-ray, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but this one is it's interesting, and in like I think, you know, af- coming from a shot-for-shot remake of the same director doing yeah. barely line-for-line, line, it is very refreshing to have a reimagining.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just so that you take you take the bare bones of Evil Dead, which is Cabin, yeah, Book of the Dead, Book of the Dead, teens, Deadites. Dead-ites yes chainsaw uh, shotgun a brother sister <laughs> relationship which to me like i feel like i kind of floundered talking about this on the opposite about it about evil dead but rewatching this it gave me another level of appreciation for the brother sister relationship in the original where yeah. again if that's a movie that's not about anything but the little details you do have about ash and his sister cheryl when you view it like this you know, and you kind of compare the the brother-sister stuff, it honestly does bring out more interesting shades in the original to me. I'm trying to think. I,
0: it's, you know, probably since we watched it, uh, since I've seen it, but was the one that gets locked in the basement Cheryl? That's Cheryl. Like, is that his sister? Yep. Okay, I thought it was the girlfriend, but so no, I in, guess you're right. In both The versions... girlfriend gets the pencil yes. in the ankle. She
1: gets the pencil and she's like the creepy laugher. Later, that right. gets that gets decapitated right. by the shovel. Yeah. Um. So, d- just to me, but the, that the fact that you have that—that's the one core character thing that remains—is that it's a brother and sister, right, coming to the cabin. And in that original, it is very interesting because, like, um, I I I mentioned it last month when we talked about, um, not last month. I mentioned it in November when we talked about sisters. Uh, but the great film critic Robin Wood he had that great essay where he talked about the monster in the film is the threat to normality. and mm-hmm. in that original, the threat is Cheryl, right? She starts out as the one who she when they arrive at the cabin, she's already moody. she's already she's kind the of fifth wheel. she's isolating herself. she's a fifth everyone else is a couple, yeah. And she becomes the one at first who starts having these issues. Like she gets attacked in the woods and she's saying she wants to leave and she's like afraid and doesn't want to be there anymore. She becomes a threat to their normality and she's treated as a villain basically throughout, right? Not like the villain, but she's like the catalyst for this stuff. It's the same thing here a little bit, right? But this movie just has so much more empathy for Jane Levy's character and for what she's going through and they add the tragic backstory of the mother and then the tragic backstory of the drug addiction like that to me feels like such an interesting way to expound on something that was already there in that original but not commented on the original's not interested in that right it's this there is like window dressing basically um and like as like a setup for this like fun splatter fest we're going to experience in a couple minutes
0: yeah and it's interesting that they keep you know, one of the things of like giving a necklace or giving a present, yeah. but he, they switch it to the sister instead of the girlfriend. Yeah.
1: So it becomes a little more. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's like it's kind of funny too. Going into this one, like they had already they had teased an Evil Dead remake for so long. And At one point, I was reading the trivia. Marlon Wayans was attached as Ash. Um, there was another weird okay. one. Yeah, uh, did I? I thought I. Marlon Wayne Sash, I don't remember there was another weird one. But the other one was like Dane Cook, I remember seeing online thrown around. I know, yeah, Jesus. All bad ideas. But like I remember um when this was coming out and like you see Shiloh Fernandez as David, and people are like, Well, he's the new Ash. He's this is him, his costume's even kind of similar. You know what I mean? Like there's there's like he's gonna be the new Ash, he's the main character. It's a it's a great misdirect. It is a wonderful that- misdirect.
0: Yes. I I saw this in the theater and then I don't think I saw it until maybe like uh, again until two or two years ago or something I, we watched it through our discord yeah uh, and I think that was the the time but it it does play so well with that misdirect because it you are getting both of them as kind of main characters and then you know goes away comes back and you really are following uh, you know the guy for so long. Yeah. until the end when it kind of changes up
1: yeah so and i feel like that really helps with like um <laughs> so much of the imdb trivia was like clearly written by annoying super fans which look i probably am one of the, i am one of those people i am an annoying evil bed super fan yeah but like um it was things of like you know many fans were concerned about the casting of ash williams before the movie came out and it's like this doesn't really belong as a movie trivia i don't know It's just kind of just like fan opinion as trivia but it's like you know fans were pleased when it was turns out that no one was playing ash anymore uh anyway but i feel like it did help with that because i feel like people go in with the skepticism of like well this guy's not gonna match ash and then you realize yeah. they're not trying to but they're doing their own characters and but they are playing with your expectations of there's gonna be an ash you know yeah um, which is interesting. I feel like it's a it's it's also a weird thing where there's that big debate over whether Evil Dead 2 is a remake or a sequel. And this one kind of slots in very nicely with like we actually yeah. cannot tell. This could be a sequel. This could be just like, you know, set years after Evil Dead 2 or something. There's nothing really That's that true. says. That, that is true. You know. <laughs>
0: it it is it is hard. I feel like I fall on the the verge of remake for evil dead 2 i just think there's yeah the similarities but then the changes it just makes sense of i mean it's it's both um, like it's
1: it was kind of both out of necessity like it's a
0: continuation right but it is right almost like with funny games and i there's another example in my mind i can't pull right now but it's or even hitchcock where like i this is how i originally envisioned the movie i was stuck because of limitations due to technology money yeah uh, influence you know any of that so like i made what i could and then when i was given the opportunity i remade what i liked about it and then it was including what i had envisioned almost like um fucking star wars yeah
1: totally right like the special editions and shit yeah um I, i I'm or just even, you know like the
0: prequels. I I <laughs> well, feel like yeah, that yeah. was part of it. Was like, well, I wanted to do more of.
1: Wait, of you're this right. Type I mean, he he did want to show the whole society. Like, originally, he was like, I want to show like the whole society of Jedi, right? Like this entire order yeah. of knights and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm just realizing I could have I been want
0: to a get sh- into the taxation <laughs> purposes of <laughs> the intergalactic republic.
1: Uh, I am just realizing I could have been a shit and chosen Evil Dead Two for this month. You know um yeah oh well i I like this i'm glad i'm very happy i rewatched this actually because uh i had to talk about how you want to talk about how we first saw this like what was your experience like first seeing this were you immediately Uh, into it it was in theaters yeah i i really enjoyed
0: it i remember walking out again being like well that's a, a nice change of expectations i you know was walking in thinking one thing walked out another uh, I the last like twenty minutes are pretty glorious. Stellar. I don't have really yep. many uh, notes on 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 the ending of it. I think they really do stick the landing. Yeah. So I walked out of that theater like great, fantastic. Are they going to make another one?
1: Uh, they they wanted to for a long time. I mean, like we'll talk about potential sequels after this. Uh, after we go through the plot. Um, my first experience seeing it, I'm pretty sure I told part of the story. When we did our first Evil Dead episode, but um, I worked at a movie theater at the time this came out and the company I worked for was holding, it wasn't exactly the premiere, but the night before it it released wide, my theater put on an Evil Dead film festival at the Fox Theater here in Los Angeles in Westwood, which is a gorgeous theater. If you've ever seen Bowfinger, it's the theater that they have the premiere at at the end of the movie. Okay. Um, it's been a while, but yeah. Great theater, massive, massive auditorium that fits, like, an insane number of people. Like, uh, so the crowd is huge. It's also where I saw Licorice Pizza recently on 70mm, and it was glorious. Ooh. They played all three of the uh, original Evil Dead movies on 35. They had period-appropriate trailers before each one. And after Evil Dead and after Evil Dead 2, they had Q&As with some of the cast and crew. So it I it remember all the, you talking
0: about this. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Evil Dead 1, it was all the female actors um, from the first movie. After Evil Dead 2, it was, uh, I think his name was Scott Ted something. Raimi? Ted Raimi? Scott. Uh, one of the co-writers. I can't remember his name. I think Greg Nicotero, who worked on Evil Dead 2. And um, then they played Army of Darkness. And then at midnight, or just past midnight, they played the new one. So we watched all four in a single day. And watching it in that context, I was so scared for this one to start because, like, I feel like some of the earlier views I read were mixed. Um mm-hmm. And after watching the three originals that I was a huge fan of, I was with my brother, who was also a giant fan, um, and I was with a good friend of mine who had never seen any of them and was seeing all of them for the first time. And he loved the original three watching them. And then the new one came on The whole crowd was nervous, I could just tell, and everybody in the fucking audience loved it. Just, like, every gross-out moment totally worked. Every character beat, like, you know, just, uh, there's a scene at the end that had an insane reaction. And it's funny, in the commentary, Fede Alvarez talked about, like, that's the reaction he wanted, and that's the reaction he always saw from audiences, which is, like, just perfect. Um... And so it was an incredible experience seeing it for the first time, just like it slotted right in with the rest of the, of the series, had just as much reactions from the people and the crowd, just as much applause as the other ones. Like, it was truly like a perfect way to watch it. Um, that sounds like it. Yeah. And then exiting the theater. <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. in Westwood. If anyone else out there is listening to this and lives in Los Angeles and has been to the Fox Theater in, in Westwood, you might know what I'm going to like. You might have a, you probably have a similar experience. But there's a parking garage just down a street from the Westwood Theater. You go in, plenty ample parking. It's kind of like, kind of cramped, but we got in there and we got our things, and it's a two minute walk to the theater. It closes at at midnight. There's no signs anywhere that tell you it closes at midnight. They just fucking pull the shutter and lock it at midnight. This event was happening where the movie doesn't start till, till midnight. Does the parking garage put up any kind of sign, any kind of notice? Does any attendant say anything? No. They just lock your car in, and you have to come back at 6 a.m. and pay a fee to get it out. And so a huge crowd leaves this theater. There's like 30 of us that walk to this parking garage, and none of us can get inside to get our cars. Like and it got to the point where we literally were boosting pe- people up to like sneak in one of the upper levels, <laughs> and a security guard caught everybody. And was like, no, you guys can't do this. Yeah, and people just had a taxi home. Like, like there was no Uber. This I think this is even pre-Ubers, 2013. You know, I had to call Should my brother. Yeah, I had to yeah. call my call my brother in Oxnard, and he had to drive out like an hour and a half to come pick me up. Like, you know, it- and I had to come back in the morning to get my car. It was fucking ridiculous. Uh, but it was kind of funny because it then gave us everyone a chance to so just kind of stand around and talk about the movie <laughs> like a bunch of people. And uh, just at of a, a weird coincidence, I met somebody there that I was a really good friend of th- their ex-boyfriend in high school. Just like coincidentally, I just like ended up kind of like, you know, meeting somebody. What a small was a world of a after all. Yeah, really strange. So anyway, very memorable day for me. There's a lot of other little moments that happened throughout that day that just like one of the best eater going experiences of my life, you know, um, especially during Evil Dead 2. That was just fucking amazing uh, with the crowd that amped up for everything. Just it I made bet. every I... moment hit, you know,
0: besides this one, I've never seen any of them on the big screen, which I'm sure is real fun.
1: Yeah, I've gotten a chance to with see a, with Evil a Dead crowd 2. that
0: loves it. Yeah. yeah. Just
1: last year I took uh I took a really good friend who again had never seen any of them. When the when the game came out, a friend of mine a friend of mine got really into the game without having seen any of the movies. And so me and her have now watched all of them together except for this one. But uh we got lucky and Evil Dead Two is playing the New Beverly, so I took her to see that at a midnight show nice. and it, it blew her away. Yeah. Um so anyway, if you can't tell, I like this movie a lot. I think this movie is really good. I think it does have issues, and watching it again twice just kind of cemented in a couple of things that I think definitely could have been improved. But for the most part, like if you are going to remake a classic horror movie, especially one as revered as the way to dead, do it, it's so good. It's got just enough references to the original. It's got subtle references. It's got really obvious references. It even weird and not even like just I to said,
0: the first one. Like it, yeah, kind of continues. Like there's the possessed hand bit. Yes. Like, that's basically a call to the second one. And then, even later on, we get the hand removal.
1: Yeah. And in, even, and in so many ways, it's fucking with your expectations. And it's made me realize, too, just, like, we talked about um, uh, Don't Breathe 2 last month. And that's one that ultimately didn't work out. It was Roy, it was Sayagis uh, his first directorial effort. But Fede Alvarez and him wrote the script of that, you know, together. Like, they wrote this one. These guys do know how to fuck with your expectations. Like they did that with Don't Breathe Two, not successfully, I mean, but they really attempted it, right?
0: But Don't Breathe does the same thing. Don't breathe like. does the
1: same thing. Stephen King's character, you don't know what is up with him. You think, is he just a victim? Is he just like are they just the villains here? And then they really fuck with you with his the reveal of what he's been that doing. Yeah. And they fuck with you with the ending. Like you expect Jane Levy's gonna be heroic and she isn't, you know? She ends up being, like, morally compromised as well, that like we talked about. So I really appreciate these guys as writers, uh, even if there's some messiness here and there. Uh, the beginning of this movie, I feel like, has a lot of, like, workman-like exposition that's sort of, you know... Do you mean the flashback-ish
0: part? Of the, the, there's that stuff. The beginning with the the basement?
1: More just, like, uh, that's just fine. I think that's, okay. that's a kind of a fun scene. You know, but again, playing with your expectations a little bit too uh, with that one. Um, I'm talking more just like when you, the char- all the character introductions, just like every character has like three or four lines of clunky dialogue to yeah get you up to speed on who they are. Is and, is this
0: something you're just having issues with recently? Like, is the exposition more like ringing your ears? It like really a dog can. Whistle?
1: Yeah, it really. I mean, honestly, it's kind Cause of. Because you're having
0: problems with Avatar. You're having problems yeah. with this movie. I, mean, I just, it's something um, that needs to happen but it, it does. is it's it's the way that they do it like I do really love I mean it gets bad in avatar but like like we're talking Giovanni Ribisi both in the original and in this one like the way that he's giving he's explaining to Sigourney Weaver something she already knows and the way that he's doing with like look I'm tired of having to say this and he just says it again and it's there, the same thing in in the second one where
1: he's like yeah. giving the 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 mind, the soul drive thing. It's nowhere near as bad here as it is in Avatar (laughs) 2. But you're right. You're correct in that I just have a thing with exposition in general. Like it can really get under my skin. Because it's a crutch, and I feel like you're right that it has to happen in some form. But you get the sense that it's just like how natural. Yeah, it's how natural it is. And then I feel like with some writers, they just have like little creativity in delivering it, you know, where my example for this one, let's start with the plot, and we'll get to it in two seconds, because it starts with, uh, this is a flashback. What's kind of interesting is I I think this is exposition that actually works, because this is exposition, this whole scene. It's giving you exposition for what happened at the cabin and how the book is, why the book's there and everything, right? But it's being shown to you. It's not someone saying, my daughter is possessed, and then we had to blah, blah, blah. But essentially, there's a creepy woman walking through the woods. Um, she gets, like, she notices some shadowy shapes running around. Uh, she gets attacked by these, like, redneck guys. There is a shot of her butt as she gets, like, tackled to the ground where, in the commentary, Fede Alvarez says that, like, he meant to give off, like, a sexual assault vibe in this first scene mm. to kind of prep you for the, the scene later. Um, right. Which I thought was interesting, and it's also like we find out she's possessed shortly after this, and it's also kind of prepping you for the idea of the possessed person being the victim, right? Uh, so I think that's also kind of an interesting, like setup there. That they're the victim, actually they're
0: also the yeah. perpetrator against other people, but it, it's bringing the idea of of trying to cleanse them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's not just about destroying the threat to your life, it's about cleansing their soul. Yeah. So she gets she wakes up tied up in a basement and there's dead animals hanging all around. There's a creepy woman chanting in Welsh, uh, according to There's a bunch of Fede other people deformed around. people. There's one yeah. guy
0: that doesn't have a nose. So and that it actor
1: is I I guess they showed this in New Zealand. Striking. They talked about them being New Zealand tires, like local New Zealand tires. And um Fede Alvarez was saying that that guy, the deformed guy, survived two different plane crashes in his life. And that maybe is why he looks like that, uh, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, Robert Tappert's son is one of the people in this. Robert Tappert being the producer of the original Evil Dead uh, and a producer on this one alongside Sam Raimi. Also, the woman chanting in Welsh... Her name is Cyan. It's spelled S I A N. Cyan Shaw. I don't know. Some whatever you say it. Cyan Davis. But she is also uh, in Ash vs. Evil Dead in the very first episode of that okay. series. She plays a dead-eyed old woman in a very memorable scene, um, which I thought was a really fun little connection. The father of this girl comes out, and she asks, "Where's mom?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, she's dead. You know this. You killed her." Then we, we then reveal that she's got freaky dead-eyed eyes and she says, I'll tear your soul apart. And then he pulls out a shotgun, they light her on fire, well, and yeah. then they fucking blow her head off. Like you get some gnarly shots of her skin melting off and stuff like that. For the most part, Alvarez is very proud of the fact that um ninety nine percent of this movie was done practically. It's all practical effects, That's what I was about to get into. Except for this some is fire a... effects.
0: Yeah. wonderful there there's some blood cg effects but i think this is a wonderful wonderful uh mixture yeah of practical and real effects the one blood that i'm thinking of is after the dumb girlfriend i i did not remember any of their names natalie Mia, natalie natalie um it, I think it's when she gets the arm blown off with a shotgun, and right. the blood's pouring down. That's on CG. I was like, yeah. "That's CG," but that's really good, and I like how it's it's minimal usage of it, and that I was also reading they shot this uh, in chronological order, which most movies don't really do because of how much blood that they're using. They didn't want to have to like try to clean stuff to yeah. make it look like they were shooting earlier which makes a lot of sense easier yeah. yeah to like oh there's blood on the wall we, that's fine
1: there are things that don't hold point back out. on the blood um because i saw that i trivia as well and i think for the most part they did shoot him chronologically there were some stuff they had to come back and shoot a bit later so yeah. not entirely chronological but for the most part chronological yeah for yeah that what reason. i read it said like
0: 95 percent or something yeah. like that so
1: so uh, yeah, from there we get our credits. Evil Dead. I like the update to the the. I like the font too. Get the kind of like, the branches kind of like overgrowing the words, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So then it's we like basically red with
0: the black vines, right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we then have a pretty cool upside down shot of the forest. Uh, I watched Smile on the last day of twenty twenty two. Was just trying to fit in. A couple of last uh, movies before the year ended, so I watched Smile and I watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, oh, okay. I didn't love Smile. I thought it was kind of played out and pretty cliche for the most part. Um,
0: but that monster at the end, though,
1: great, yeah, great monster. Uh, but, and but a lot of the a lot of the horror stuff was kind of marred by CG stuff. Talking about like a not not a great mixture of CG and practical that one, right? But the practical monster did look fucking good. Um, but that also has Flawing a weird... into her mouth. Yes. That, that I, I think we great. Talked I love about that, that recently.
0: It's like that and men, those, those two like visuals are just like, yeah. this is amazing. I mean, that's, some, else that's something
1: like, like, I kept thinking about men too. Men to me just kind of did everything, smile, did right, but better. You know? Yeah, I could see that. I think, uh, smile may have been less like, uh, a little more subtle sometimes men is not subtle but it's also not trying (laughs) to be you know like yeah uh those are but those are interesting movies to me to compare actually um so anyway i brought that up because there's a flipped horizon shot in that too then of course the flipped horizon made me think of the Fablemans and how you know the horizon's gotta be the top or the bottom or it's boring as shit uh But also, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but I feel like so many modern horror movies, their aesthetics come from The Shining. They reference The Shining constantly. Any time now I see an overhead shot of a car driving down a road in the beginning of a horror movie, I'm like, you're just taking this from The Shining. I do wonder if The Shining was the first one to do something like that. Because like Texas Chainsaw has the car driving down the road, but I don't think it's the overhead shot, right? Like the helicopter shot.
0: Not, not needing a helicopter, yeah. I,
1: I don't know. That's interesting to think yeah. about. And I, I wonder if it's all just, hey, we are referencing The Shining. The Funny Games opens the same way. You got a helicopter shot of a car driving on a road. Yes. Um, It is such a cliche horror opening. I kind of appreciated this one with the flipped horizon. But then I realized, okay, that's now a cliche, too, because Midsommar does it and Smile yeah. does it um it's just very funny seeing these new tropes take hold it's you know
0: but it's it's a good uh look like it's very jarring to you you never really expect that to just come up of like you know you see horizons or whatever but to have it all inverted you know puts you puts you uh you know not you're not at ease when you're seeing that
1: um so now this is what i'm talking about with like Exposition and stuff because all our characters get out of the car. Everyone meets. You got Mia, David, Olivia, Eric, Natalie, and just every time someone meets somebody, they're like, "Oh yeah, you're the nurse, or you're the doctor." Oh, nurse, actually, you're the girlfriend from the shop. Yeah, that's me. Oh, so they were going to shop. She's a she's a nurse. Eric's a teacher now. Oh, that's cool. Two hours. Yes, exactly. And then David and Mia meet back up. Like, oh hey, you're my sister, aren't you? Just like. Every line does not feel natural to me. The, I mean, like, and I know characters are meeting for the first time, and so maybe some of the, the friend, but the whole thing of like, hey, aren't we brother and sister? I'm like, do I ever say that to any of my siblings? No. I, yeah. I know you're a single child, you don't understand, but I've never once called my sister sis or my bro bro. You know? When movies do that, it just really fucking uh, it gets under my skin. Really? Comparing never, it because No, 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 Never that, never. I've been called comparing it to by Avatar? Cousins actually I, i've been called cause by covens by cousins actually so that one sure but um comparing it to the original which i tried not to do for the most part because they are totally different things really but um if you think about the character introductions to that no one's been like hey we're all college friends and we're out here for the trip isn't it great to be done with midterms like it's all just implied. Uh, well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like,
0: they're, they're kind of giving a little bit as they're driving to the cabin. Team but but it. it's I'm just like, very... It's very
1: minimal. It's more just so like them trying to find the cabin. It. It's like in the process yeah. of them trying to find the cabin, it's revealing who their characters are. Like, you get that Linda's a little ditzy. You get that Scott is like the kind of carefree, like, who gives a shit, whatever. And, and Ash is a little more meticulously playing with the map and everything. Like... You know, you and like Cheryl is the kind of moodier fifth wheel. Like, it just naturally kind of flows out with them trying to find that cabin, as opposed to this where they have to force in these lines to kind of like establish their character in one sentence. You know, two, even
0: giving us a reason that they're there. And the yeah. you know, original, it's just like, oh, hey, we can get away, vacation, whatever. This one, you know, we have a person with heroin addiction that we're trying to get them clean yeah and then they give a whole speech about not touching it again throwing I, it down the well
1: so let's get, get right to that scene i really like that but i mean before that we have um david gives uh gives me the necklace. the necklace yeah yeah um so then we pretty much go straight to the, the scene of her dumping the heroin down the well which i really like because this movie is interesting, and it's the whole depiction of a drug addict. I think it's a really cool angle to um, to bring to a possession movie like this. I think it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, we open the movie with like this cleansing ritual, right? With the daughter, this is Mia going through another ritual it's another ritualistic thing almost like a like a summoning or like a dispelling like a purification ritual she's giving this these words right she pours Which them she's down the well symbolically. already done yes yes yep we find out so i just like it as like this idea of this whole thing this, the entire plan already they are already here for a ritual for a purification it's the entire purpose they are there right to purge her of this dark spirit of addiction i just i thought that it's a very uh clever choice um so from then on basically we just kind of get olivia gives some exposition in terms of what she's going to be experiencing this is exposition i don't mind too just like hey this is what an addict goes through right the horrible body pains the mood swings everything like that it just makes sense because she's a nurse and she's kind of prepping people for this um we have a little scene of Mia looking through photo albums, right? The cabin was uh, their families. She says, mom would hate it like this. So David's like, well, let's clean it up. Then. Let's make it livable. Um, David approaches Mia and they have a bit of a talk about their past. And uh, this is interesting because like Alvarez points us out in the commentary, how we expect David to be this hero. But if you examine his actions as a brother, he is an obstacle towards her recovery because you get yeah. the sense she's taking drugs because she is trying to escape this these things she experienced with her family where David was not there to support her as their mother declined uh, in mental health and he is still not there for her. He doesn't give an apology for not being there when she calls him out like, hey, I was He's alone. He's not
0: apologizing for being two hours late to He's, her. yes withdrawal party
1: with a with a with a girlfriend that she doesn't know yeah uh, which i mean I a mean, bit less it's less of a of a strike but doesn't know and is it when they come the other
0: girl is like oh you're this person and yeah. she goes no 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 not not that one
1: <laughs> yeah i think so yeah um there's a whole there was a lot of of other scenes with uh elizabeth blackmore as natalie cut out from the movie Fade said there was a whole backstory as to how she and David met. She had a lot more dialogue with Mia, I think. Um, mm. All right, I know it was with David about Mia. Uh, okay. But they ended up just kind of cutting all that for pacing reasons. And um, Fede said it kind of worked out because she becomes one of the characters that goes through the most in terms of like pain. And he says yeah. that by not having this backstory that like sort of made her a less likable character she's more of an innocent and he said that one of the rules of horror that sam Raimi passed on to him was you always punish the innocent um which to me plays in a lot yeah. to this movie into like eric's treatment too well, he's it's not like innocent, her, and, yeah. her
0: and her and poochie i think like yeah they get it the hardest they get it they the worst. some of the most yeah
1: although uh, maybe maybe mia gets it the worst but it's it's kind of tough to say um yeah david doesn't apologize for his past. He just makes excuses, which obviously does not sit well with Mia. That night, she's starting to go through the first withdrawal symptoms and is screaming in terror and pain, saying she just wants it to stop. Uh, Olivia has warned David that they've already tried this and that she's just gonna try to run. But David says that he's gonna do whatever it takes to help her out.
0: And this is where she starts, like, there's a smell, and then they start investigating. They find the basement, which is... There was a there's a rug covering it, and then the bloody like trail to get to the basement. Yeah. That's a really great shot. Um, I will say one of the things is this is so much more cinematic looking than the original. Yeah, the original yeah. like it has the charm of being very low budget, um, you know, and like elbow grease and all that. Like this one looks like a movie.
1: Yeah, so part of that is because... In the best possible way. Uh, they talk about it, too. They actually pointed out the exact moment it happens in the movie, in the commentary. But part of it was shot in a real cabin in the woods. All the exteriors and some of the interiors when they're first entering the cabin. But they pinpointed the exact cut where it goes from real cabin to in a studio. Where they okay. built the interiors of the cabin. So um, that's probably what you're picking up. And obviously they had to build the basement. They had to build the trapdoor, door. All that stuff. So you're totally right. That's a that's a really good observation, yeah. Um, they also talked about a lot of the dialogue in this scene from Eric in particular is improvised. Just like the, whoa, is that blood? Apparently that's just something <laughs> he said at the time. Uh, a lot of what he says when they go down there with the cats hanging out and everything. Um, also, I guess Robert... But they find, funny, the they, they find the book. They uh, find the book. They mention... There's a lot of dead cats hanging around. They mentioned in the commentary that Robert Tappert really him and sam or both a lot of the some of the more extreme choices in the movie were really pushed upon them by Rainey and tappert being like you know you have to get crazier like really like make it freakier make it more upsetting so originally it's dead crows and robert tappert's like no one cares about dead crows people love cats put a bunch of dead cats everywhere they also um one of the scenes that's in the extended version that was cut out is David is walking down the hallway when they first enter, and a cat jumps out at him, in that classic jump scare. And Alvarez says in the commentary, "Oh, we had the scene of the cat jumping at him, but it was—it's a, a very cheap scare. The idea is that it was a cat that escaped the basement, but you know we yeah. decided it was too cheap. But it's not cheap enough for the extended edition, I, I guess, because it's back in the movie. <laughs> so yeah, they find the book. It is wrapped in a pl- in a plastic bag, like a garbage bag, and then bound with fucking barbed wire." Which is a, a great, great choice. I love that, yeah. yeah. That was like a last-minute thing, too, that they decided on, apparently. Um, they wanted to make the, the reveal more dramatic. I think the I... texture of the book really does look like human skin to me.
0: I was about to say, I think the book looks so much better, too. And I love that it is... Like, they get into is it, it's like, it's not... It's not like a tape where it's, you know, he's he just plays the tape and it's saying everything. Yes. But there's like the ancient language. And then there's some translations that are like written on top, usually in red. Um, it just gives it a, a really great look.
1: Yes. So um, it's pouring rain. Mia is like stomping around in circles outside in the rain. Um,
0: As you do when you're coming down on heroin. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Is it heroin or meth that makes your skin a Is that meth? I think meth, but
0: I was I was assuming it was heroin. I
1: thought you were going to say but I was feeling itchy when I was on heroin. That's what I expected <laughs> to say <it> right now. <laughs> so she's stomping around in the rain as Eric is, like, opening the book, looking through it, seeing these translations. He takes out some paper and he's, like, doing the tracing thing to get some of the words. And, of course, he reads the words aloud. And just like the original, it starts, like, as he's saying the words, you get the demonic force outside coming through the woods. Um,
0: They had to have that. If you're going to remake the movie, you have yes. to have, like, the demon camera. Really and go- the
1: and, tree and they, uh, stuff. They they do the camera in the same way, actually, too. It's the exact same method they used for the original, where they, just, they had the camera on a board, and they had the cameraman running at people. Like, it's, yeah. it's pulled off the same way, which is cool. That was one thing Alvarez said, is that, like, the one of the elements he wanted to carry over uh stylistically, the only thing he wanted to do stylistically the same was the camera movements at certain points. Which so you'll notice like there's a lot of Raimi-esque cuts and does he camera pushing I didn't notice does like he that. do
0: the 360 Raimi thing?
1: He does it, I think, when they first when they very first walk into the cabin.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Or no no no, it's it's after um there is a moment, but they're all in the main room. I think it's maybe after me is attacked with a tree. I think he does like a 360 or around as after they're talking she about she gets her.
0: thrown in the basement or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's right after the tree attack. I could, I could, there's a moment okay. though, but they're all in the cabin going to be like, okay, what are we going to do? And it's going a like 360 around them. Yeah. Okay. So as he finishes the last word and the force hits Mia, she vomits. And I like that it's not clear if this is a withdrawal thing or if this is just the demon hitting her. Yeah. Uh I think it's a fun choice. Jane Levy, who was just delightful in the commentary, by the way. Everybody was. Um, her and Poochie were the and Alvarez, I think, were the standouts of the the commentary. Um she talked about having to walk around in the rain and uh with a mouthful of cold soup to like actually like spit out there. I just thought that right. was an interesting little insight into the the process of making this. It's very funny. Everybody talked about it in such great terms, like how much fun they had making this. And I was just like thinking about it compared to the original, where it's like, yeah, pretty much every day we were about to fucking die, and like yeah. somebody got horribly hurt or somebody like nearly Bruce died. Bruce Campbell's of frostbite. like, I
0: lost a tooth.
1: Lost a tooth. I I feel like it was it was Robert Tapper, or somebody was up in the rafters of the cabin and fell and, like, got hung on a nail. Like, it stabbed into them, and they were, like, hanging from it. Yeah. Um, Same. Maybe nearly, straight up did nearly go unconscious and die of frostbite, because it was so cold outside at one point. Um, But it was just very funny comparing it to this, where it's, like, this does not sound like it was an easy shoot, but it was clear from the way they were talking about it, everybody had a fucking great time making it. Um, And, like, Levy especially, she seemed really excited to, like, do some of the more challenging stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. Nice. So, she vomits, and she starts freaking out. She wants to leave. She begs God for a break, and then she sees a scary figure in the woods. She goes and she sneaks out of the bathroom window when she tells him she wants to leave, and they refuse. She gets in a car, starts driving. Uh, I do sees- like
0: her reaction here when she's just like, what the fuck
1: am I doing? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's great, great car acting. She's just going fucking crazy as she's driving. She sees the figure again in the road which of course is her. It's played by Jane Levy or one of her stunt doubles for the most part. She veers off the road and crashes. Uh, great little behind the scenes trivia here where uh, Fede Alvarez w- told his direction to to Jane Levy for when she wakes up from the crash and she's like looking for her purse or like, you know, it's kind of like disoriented. He bases it off the scene in Wild at Heart with Sherilyn Fenn when they find her by the side of the road after she's been okay. in a car accident. Uh I thought was I thought that was a really good little reference. Yeah, love it. Um so she gets out, she's in a bunch of swamp water. A fucking swamp monster, like a, the lady fucking f- comes out of the out of the muck, which is real creepy. Uh she falls into some branches and we get a recreation of that famous uh tree assault scene from the original. We-
0: is just as hard to watch as the original. Yeah,
1: pretty crazy. This one has the added uh, element of Mia herself, like the evil version of her is standing a bit ways away as she's like being, you know, uh, restrained restrained by the trees. Uh, So this evil version of Mia vomits the branch that eventually makes its way to over Mm -hmm. uh, under her dress. Uh, Fady Alvarez says this was originally not in the script. But Robert Tappert's like, nah, you gotta have that scene. Like, you're trying to make something genuinely <laughs> scary. It's a scary thing. Like, you gotta do it. And it's interesting because I feel like it feels more in p- more less out of place in this one. You know, we talk about how that original, like, really has no point. No, it's got less of, like, a story to it. And sure. so it feels a little more tossed off in the original as just something scary that happens. But it makes character sense in this one. It makes it, it propels the character to like be, you know, desperate. Um,
0: well, I, I feel like they do that in in the original. Like that's kind of they, the big they do. catalyst of.
1: But I, I feel Cheryl like
0: Cheryl or whoever it is, it's, uh, um, Cheryl.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah. I I feel like in this one though, there's it it does more for the character. I feel like yeah, like even more. You're right. It's not for right. nothing in the original, but this one like on top of it's, everything she's already going through. You know, right.
0: It, it makes more, it does make more sense in the fact of uh, she had this wild thing happen to her. She's coming down from a drug and like, of course, no one's going to believe her that well, you know, this happened yeah. because she's a drug addict coming down from the high. And this or is not something, the high, but this is know, a, withdrawals.
1: a good, a, a point that um, Sayagas made on the commentary one of the few times he chimed in was he talked about it like the, comparing it to injecting yourself with heroin where you're being injected with evil like it's entering your body and changing who you are right like and so i thought that it's an apt comparison i think that it makes a lot of sense Uh, there's some
0: good theme work going on in here yeah we got we have we barely got into her possession we gotta (laughs) we gotta go through we even have like the she has the shotgun yes that's pretty soon after
1: pretty soon she gets back this is maybe my favorite piece of jane levy acting is when she's first telling David, there's something in the woods, and it's in here with us right now. Her eyes are so fucking big and bugged out at this point, and she is so frantic. I, it is, it's truly creepy and scary the way she is acting. And she's not even possessed yet. Like, it, it's, it's fucking awesome. So, pretty shortly after this is when she then goes to take a shower, right? And, uh, as she's doing this, David discovers that Grandpa has been attacked, he falls into yeah. the foxhole, and you find out there's a foxhole into the tool shed. Right? He's pissed and off.
0: I wasn't sure if this was like him imagining what happened, or if it is visually what happened. I don't I'm know. assuming it is what happened because I think it's what like, No one else yeah. would probably do that,
1: right? Um, no and one's it possessed seems at that point, point. and the demon can't do stuff like this without a human host. And so, like you know, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's what happened. So he goes to confront her while she's in the shower, but she's in there just turning the fucking heat up. This is real fucked, man. Uh, I love cutting away to show the furnace and the fire; it just really gives you that sense of heat more so than like the just the steam would. Uh, so she's scalding you can't herself even touch in the, the shower. Handle. It's yeah, hot. yeah, yeah. Well, and when of course when they come in and turn it off, her fucking blister pops in her face. Uh, incredible practical effect there. So they are like, okay, well, yep, we're getting her out of here. They get her in the car. They drive out. But of course, the road is flooded. They come back. And this is I think this is where we had the 360 shot when they come back and they're arguing before okay. she step. And then she steps out at the end of it with the shotgun and a uh, double barrel, just like the original court, just like the uh, second one. The original is a single barrel. Anyway, she actually <laughs> Der- fucking takes it. A- <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? Uh, She actually takes a shot at David, shoots out a window, and this is where the demonic force, like, blows the door open, and, like, shit starts going crazy. Uh, Uh, I
0: love how it's, it's like, um, uh, a disembodied voice saying things at first. Like, we will take your souls or whatever, and then Mia says
1: something. It's not just a disembodied voice, it is actually Cheryl's voice from the original. It's the actual sound Oh, Um, gotcha. Of what she, of what she says when she first starts flying around the room, and this leads maybe some evidence into that this is the exact same cabin where that happened previously. We don't know. Maybe they are hearing echoes of the past, you know. But then Mia says, "You will all die tonight before she collapses." Uh, she attacks Natalie when they go. She goes to check on her, and she vomits blood all over her fucking face. Uh, again, done practically like me, like she had a, a thing in her mouth and she was like spitting it all over uh <laughs> it's all over it's the actor's face it's a lot like it's a ton. it
0: is uh a, a concerning amount like if someone threw up that amount you're like okay we need to get you to a hospital right now yep.
1: oh totally so they throw her in the basement they lock it or they try to lock it um this is then where Eric's like, well, it's just, this is this that witchcraft down there. And uh, I read something, and I think I fucked it all up. Natalie goes to wash herself off and get more sedative. Before she tries to leave, she says a demonic version of herself in the mirror with her face cut open. Yeah. Then the mirror shatters. It's,
0: it's it is insane. And I was trying to uh, piece together, is, is her and Poochie together, or are they just- I don't
1: i don't think so the way they were talking about it i think they're just old college friends
0: yeah yeah
1: jessica lucas who plays olivia says that in one of the takes where they had the mirror which is a practical thing where they had something set up that would break it um like on command or whatever a shard of glass like flew at her face and nearly hit her in the eye Uh, yeah um speaking of eye trauma (laughs) Uh, yeah, this, and then, so Poochie
0: is trying to go look for her. Yes. And Uh, she's, that's when she's cutting her mouth open.
1: Really great moment. Before that, though, she tries to leave, and then as she's leaving the bathroom, she sees the book, and she gets, like, stopped really suddenly. Oh. She was actually wearing a harness and a wire at that point that prevented her from moving any further, which is why it looked so, like, unnatural when she stops like that. Yeah. Which, that to me is a cool, creative, just, like, you know... Uh, way to pull that yeah. off and so then, then she yeah so then the poochie comes in disturbing yes
0: disturbing things that i remember from my original viewing
1: yep using a shard of glass to cut open her own face this was the first moment watching this for the first time our audience was going fucking bananas just like literally every second was just like this huge sold-out crowd at this massive theater everyone's going like oh like screaming and, yeah. and groaning as this all happens um, cutting off the glass, I feel like she there attacks were Pucci. Two moments, and this is yeah. the first one. Yeah, attacks Pucci. He does a crazy fall where he hits his back on the toilet. And Pucci yeah. was saying that he did that fall himself, and I had to do it like six or seven times. Ooh, um, yeah, that's real fucking. That's dedication, man. So then but she yeah, jumps she, like, on top of him. She
0: stabs him in the chest with the yep. with the the mirror part first, and yes. then is on top of him with the needle,
1: takes a syringe, stabbing the at glasses. his eye. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other groaning, crazy, freaking out part was the pulling the needle, pulling out, the needle right out underneath his eye. And then yeah. it was, uh... And then I think he has a prosthetic on his face after that to make his eye look a little droopier, which is kind of cool. right? It's, uh... It's wild. Um, so she gets her and head And he's like, he, she
0: made me do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she was, was trying, trying to kill me. me. Yep. So then at this point, we have a gnarly scene of David treating Eric's wounds. Um... It reminded me of the glue scene in Don't Breathe 2. So, and, Using this is duct tape to- and this is where he tells them, like, hey, I read from that book. Yeah. Like, we, you know, the answer to, to fixing this is probably in there. At this point, the basement door is open and Mia is calling to Natalie. She drags her in. We have this kind of like trailer shot of her, like, screaming at the camera. As she gets dragged away. And Alvarez says, like, in a worse or a more cliche movie, you would cut from that to a different scene but they cut from that straight to, like, what is happening in the basement. And which Jane is necessary. Levy, yes, totally. Uh, yeah, which is really smart. And uh, Levy says that he called this her first on-camera sex scene. Because um, <laughs> she's, like, like, licking looking her up. She's yeah. licking her leg, yes, and then goes to, like, give her oral or something, is what it looks like. But, of course, she stops her, and then she then bites her hand. And uh, she's saying some gnarly shit, of course, too. Uh, this is where she takes the box cutter and big trailer moment, and another big oh, audience screen moment.
0: It just, yeah, it's so yeah. good. And then like, she takes it from Natalie and like extends it really far up. Yep, and then does the tongue licks and it's the box right. cutter. Yeah, it's it's uh it's rough because like you 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 feel that
1: like um pushback. Yes, in the tongue. Oh, totally. Yeah. Amazing, though. Just And it's a practical effect. Like, you're actually splitting a prop there. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Oh, man, it's fucking crazy. Uh, so she licks it and cuts her tongue in half. They pull her out of the basement, David and Eric, and this is... Mia has some gnarly fucking lines here. She tells David, why don't you come down here, pretty boy, so I can suck your cock. To her brother, right. To her brother, which is so fucking crazy. I think this is the part, two where they said... um. This to me works and is a slight detriment to the movie. We haven't talked about it much, but I do think Shiloh Fernandez as David is the weakest performance. Um I don't yeah, think he's terrible. I could agree with that. I don't think he's yeah. terrible, but I I do think that some of his reactions to me come off as slightly disingenuous he or just is like, like not the poor man's what's the guy's name?
0: Ian Summerhold? You know yeah. what I'm talking
1: about? Uh, I, maybe I don't, From, I don't like, think
0: so. From Lost and um, he was in Rules of Attraction. I think I'm thinking of the guy He's Oh, owned uh, fucking yeah. Vampire Diaries for Rules years, of Attraction. Years, I yeah, years. I've
1: seen that. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not James Vanderbeek, but the
1: other right, guy. Right, right, right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, he he has that vibe for sure. Something about him is not quite emotive enough, I think, for parts of this movie. There are moments where he does a good job, and there are moments where I'm just like he's not selling it quite as well. I think part of it is because they talked about, they actually kept him in the dark on set as to what all of the actor's lines were going to be and okay. to like what was going to happen on set around him. And so sometimes when he's kind of by himself and like something scary happens in the room, like there's a couple of scenes in the basement later, his reaction of like jumping is genuine and is actually not bad. Some of the lines of dialogue, it looks like he's just kind of confused as to how to react which I guess is authentic, but it's also like, I kind of just get the sense the actor is just like, uh, well, well, okay, I don't know what to do. Yeah. From this as an, it's like, it's less as a character, he doesn't know what to do, and more as an actor, That's, he doesn't know what to do. That seems more like a directing
0: issue. I don't want to say problem, because yeah. it is an inventive way to do it. But if you don't have a good enough actor, and you're trying to get like, improvised reactions, it's it's not going to do very yeah. well.
1: So I think, like, I'm pretty sure they said that's a scene where she, he didn't know that she was going to say that. And so he just kind of is, like, baffled, which it, it, it kind of works and doesn't. I don't know. I think it hurts the performance a little bit.
0: He's, like, halfway uh, undoing his belt by the time. Oh, no. Hold
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Brother, sister. We'll Cameras see. are rolling. Okay. Um. So then she's got a great line to of uh, he like is like mia and she's like mia's not here you fucking idiot your sister is being raped in hell which is yeah intense man but i i like the um, fucking idiot part that to me is like i love the sassy demon you know
0: when when they say that it i mean automatically i'm thinking of exorcist you know yes. your mother sucks cocks in hell which is i think maybe more disturbing is like Being raped in hell, yeah, like, against your will, like, no, 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 your mother is, is purposefully (laughs) sucking cocks in hell. There's, there's no... (laughs) Saying it to
1: a priest, too, is, like, something, something else entirely, yeah. Who just lost his mother. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So then we have a Raimi-esque montage and cuts as they chain up the door to the basement and, like, nail it shut a little bit. Pretty cool. Um, This is where we find Eric is trying to burn the book in a little bucket and it's not burning, which is a nice little reference and, like, refutation, like a way to refute the original. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, too, when I was watching this the first time in an audience, we're kind of expecting, this is a remake, and they're going to burn the book, like the first one. And then to, like, establish nope, that thing you just saw a couple hours earlier in that first movie not working, something else has to happen here, and it really, like, made the audience, put the audience on edge, I feel like, um, when we first saw this. So, he ex- Eric explains, when the demon has five souls, it will rain blood and the abomination will rise. Um, it's at this point where Natalie, she's in the kitchen with the electric carver, which we uh, the electric knife. Well, she's which trying we set to out, clean we, out the wound.
0: Yeah, clean out the wound. Like, and it's oh progressively man. getting Dude, worse.
1: That is one of the most upsetting parts. of The fucking when she's like squeezing, squeezing her hand
0: and black, yeah, black like pus little.
1: is coming out. Dude, yeah. oh my god, um, yeah, that is so it's well great. Done. How it
0: just it, it you know goes down the arm and it's very much like evil dead 2 evil hand she's like holding yes. it the whole you know same thing and then yeah she picks up the uh, electric carver and uh afterwards it's uh, well I, it's great that we like see the removal or like the stretching cuz she cuts it and then we see yeah. her and it it's still hanging by like a ligament and Ooh. then it drops down
1: <laughs> that was the said, that I was i, had, the, I, I think... had
0: to do it I feel much better now.
1: That was the part, that original audience, where it was the biggest combination of screams and laughter as mm-hmm. that was happening. Just like everyone in the audience just in like freaking out. And it's funny too, because it's such a classic, iconic moment in Evil Dead 2, him cutting his own hand off the chainsaw. And it's really well done in that movie. The blood, sp- it's the pushing on his face and the blood splatter and you don't right. see anything. And it's still yeah. effective You see every second of it in this one and it's still fucking so effective and so good and so well done like I cannot see the seam where like obviously she's obviously she's like next to a prosthetic arm right that she's cutting but you cannot see where her shoulder ends and the fake arm begins like it's so seamless Um, just yeah truly fucking awesome stuff so she cuts that off this is where Eric and David are talking in the, in the main room. And this is fucking crazy. Uh, he's, uh, Mia's, oh yeah, Mia too in the basement. Don't cut it off you bitch. Don't do it. We're just like, I love that. That's very funny to me. Um, I think she does like that. We're going to get you to like the original.
0: Yeah. I do love those shots of like, and I love it yeah. in the original where she's pushing the the basement door up and you just see like part of her.
1: Face, i think those are, those, those, are some, those are some of the only shots that are like complete recreations from the original like right. other than that they really do their own thing with the cinematography which this movie looks but I feel great like too
0: that is one that like oh well we have to have that
1: that's such yes a, like a
0: great look
1: oh yeah totally um so this is where i think david is talking to eric about the uh pot- potential <laughs> mental illness aspect right of our mother went crazy like she saw it happen and maybe this is what's going on maybe it's a disease he says and he's like what kind of fucking disease makes you cut your face off the piece of glass which is a very good line as they're arguing natalie comes out with a bunch of nails in her face because she's been fucking shooting them into their her own face the nail gun and she starts taking shots at eric she nails his own hand to his chest, which is fucking hard. Uh, no, that's
0: Poochie. That's what happens to Poochie. That's Eric. Yeah, Eric. Oh, okay, Eric. Yeah. Yeah,
1: same guy. <laughs> okay. Um. So uh, David scuffles with her, uh, knocks her down. He gets his leg nailed. Eric says, get the shotgun before she does. He goes to get it, but she's got a fucking crowbar. Starts beating David down. Fade pointed out something I really liked in terms of filmmaking, the way the camera moves with every single impact to really sell every hit, Mm. which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Eric uses the nail gun to distract her, but that just means she comes over and fucking breaks his hand, like busts his hand just like apart, like with one swing. That to me, I feel like that was the biggest audience reaction when I first saw that. I keep saying that. But as the memory comes back, that was the one just like, Absolute terror when everyone sees those fingers like Go bent sideways, at angles right? they shouldn't be yeah, fucking wild um eventually he shoots her arm off with a shotgun and this is the moment where she starts walking towards David with like the CG blood pouring down and um looks good so the commentary had it this is great, but that you point out the laughter that Pucci does at the end of the scene. Yeah, they they got the idea from when they were shooting it. Uh, there's something the original line was just kind of like, why is this happening to me? What's going on, David? Like, tell me what's happening. But I think the I think it was said the actor um, who plays Natalie Elizabeth Blackmore. I think she eventually kind of improvised it into like, David, my face hurts. And that line was so funny to Poochie yeah. that he, just, he kept cracking up on set. And so eventually they were just like, we'll just have Eric start laughing. <laughs> like, just like, cause it seems deranged break. and crazy. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. him like genuinely laughing at the line. My face hurts when her face is full of nails and stuff. Like, um, I just, I really liked that. And yeah, and it's, um, uh, Pushi's so good in this and he, on the commentary is clearly an evil dead super fan. He was like okay. quoting the original. He was like pointing out all the references himself. He was like doing impressions. Like he, he was great. Um, very, very fun guy. So, uh... She dies. <laughs> um, okay. So, David tells Eric, okay, I'm not gonna be a coward. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Right? Because earlier he's saying he can't do it. So, this time, he, uh... He burns the other body. He burns Natalie's... Or, uh... Burns Olivia's body. He dismembers Natalie with a chainsaw in the tool shed. Right? Um... And then he is going to burn down the cabin with Mia inside of it and cleanse her that way. But decides, hey, for once, I'm not going to run away from the problems here. I'm not going to give excuses as to why I can't be there for her. I am going to save her. So this is insane to me. But apparently because oh, he's OK, that's right. The lullaby. He hears her singing the lullaby. That's right. In the basement yeah,
0: that the their mother used to sing.
1: This is another point. I really like this about a remake. Because you're right, that's that's an Evil Dead 2 as, like, that's a way that the Deadite is trying to convince um, Annie, right, to not kill her. And it's supposed to be a creepy thing or, like, a touching, whatever. And this one, I really like that Mia is seeing it for the same reason. It's the demon trying to fake him out, trying to psych him out, being like, don't kill me. But it works Your the opposite Your sister's still way.
0: in here yeah
1: that's the thing and it works in the opposite way where that's the push that david needed to be like she is still in there i can save her as opposed to i'm scared or terrified or unsettled whatever um i just really like that as a choice so then he has
0: has poochie died at this point because i know he brings no he's still around okay and they were like he's He's still dying they're still gonna try to get away yeah
1: yes uh he's still alive so this is where David then puts together a contraption. <laughs> he gets a car battery, some syringes. You know,
0: uh, one of the things that like we've we've gone through in the book, like how to um, cleanse their soul, you have to it's a live burial, bodily dismemberment. There's yep. a live burial. There's cleansing with fire, obviously. Yes.
1: So he puts together this weird defibrillator thing, according to Fede Pretty Alvarez. Insane. According to Alvarez. They did research into homemade defibrillators and this is something that potentially could give you a big charge. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, it's like I don't two know. needles taped together tied yeah. to a car battery.
1: I'm assuming with adrenaline, right? Like a needles with adrenaline. I don't think so. It just They're seems just, needles like just needles just needles. to get you into the heart to like get you yeah, that charge the that's place to go. Yeah. what it like Well, it's pretty ridiculous. But anyway, um he goes into the basement To confront Mia. Get her out of there. And um, more fantastic Jane Levy performances. As she attacks him in the basement. And this is I think where. That that method of not telling the actor. What was going to happen exactly. Kind of works. Because you can see the the noises he's hearing down there. The practical things that are happening around him. He is like genuinely being like. You know jump scared. Down there which I think is kind of fun. So Mia starts like drowning him. But Eric comes down and saves him, but however that's he gets right. a box cutter stabbed into his stomach, um, and so uh, that that's where he eventually finally dies is from that injury. Okay, because I because uh,
0: he pulls him up at some point and yeah. Poochie's even saying died wouldn't be so bad right now. I just don't want to become the devil's bitch. Yes, <laughs> I have so many problems with that line. It is
1: it's pretty silly,
0: but <laughs> it's really bad. I like not a delivery, lot of room, but. It's there's like, not a
1: lot of comedy in this and that's kind of the one more like overt jokes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> this is where they go outside and he does the burial. Jane Levy was actually buried alive with a plastic bag on her face for this scene. Oh. Um, they did that so that when David starts very like frantically trying to dig her up, that's to save Jane Levy. That's not really to save okay. the character. Yeah. Uh, there is also, that was like, motivation the, to tree, get him. Yeah.
0: the tree by the, the It struck by hot. lightning, it which I, I like that by as well. It's on fire. Yeah. It's on fire for, like, a long time. I and really like when, that, though. Yeah. After, after we're supposing that the spirit has left Mia's body, the fire goes out. And then that's when he's, like,
1: trying to save her, you know, get her out. I like it. Uh, I think it's a cool decision. I think it was maybe Rotosay, or... Alvarez one of them called it the an allusion to the burning bush like it's a, it's a piece of divine intervention Interesting. like telling I okay. telling him like this right. is what you're going to do right uh, cuz they were saying like in a supernatural story where there is supernatural evil they like showing supernatural good too which is why this whole thing works like that was their point of like okay we're going to have demonic possession we have bodies being reanimated for purposes of evil we're going to reverse it like
0: yeah. A godly presence, yeah.
1: Yes, which I thought was interesting. And it's something that's kind of totally missing from the originals. It's all just evil, you know? Um, and it's not overdone. It's not overplayed in this one. It's not, like, overly, you know what I mean? Like, God saved us kind of a thing. So, right. anyway. This is the part of the audience where Fede Alvarez says, that, like, every time he showed it to people, everybody had the same reaction. of Like, no, no, no. And when he, when he, like, digs her back up. 'Cause we all expect her to not work, kinda. But then it works. You know? He actually does, does manage to fucking bring her back to life, even after like she's been uh fucked up so bad. And it is kinda crazy that she comes back with not really much injuries. Like her tongue is back to normal. <laughs> oh yeah. She's fine. You know?
0: yeah. Yeah. The possession took all of that. Yeah.
1: But it it is really great though. It is such a nice thing after watching the character literally be tortured. By demons for so long and do so many horrible things, to see her come back and just get this nice moment with her brother. I also really liked the the sweeping score as he does this. Um, on my my rewatch of the extended, I mean, just like it really did affect me emotionally. Of like that was the point too, where I was really buying uh, Shiloh Fernandez's performance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I just I really felt for the brother sister relationship of like her brother is finally there for her.
0: It feels and more is pulling genuine. her
1: it's he's pulling her out of the depths of hell like to me it just yeah. really touched me you know and i thought the score really really helped with that um i think overall the score is okay it's actually not a bad score it's a pretty good score i just uh i thought it was really uh, most effective at that point
0: i don't remember anything like really standing out for me
1: there's a really good score-wise. use there's a really good use in the score of a siren they use an actual like siren in the music and it really kicks in right here at this point um or in a couple minutes because david goes back into the cabin because of course he forgot the keys so he's got to go back inside when he goes in classic a possessed eric comes out and attacks him um he's dying by the door and he decides that he is going to sacrifice himself so he shoots a gas can which explodes and kills eric burns down the cabin. In the extended version, right before he burns up, you he opens his eyes and you see that he's possessed before he dies. Oh. Um, which means that he's the fifth soul claimed. Which means right. that the skies open up and blood rains down and the abomination rises. Which is, this is so fucking metal and epic. It is This awesome. whole ending. It, 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 I love it. The, the, everything is really, like, literally stained in blood. It's so fucking heavy metal album cover. You know what I mean? Like you could score this with Slayer, and it would like fit in perfectly. Um, Great effect as the the abomination rises out of the ground. Um, Jane Levy says this is one of the scariest parts to film because it is a sixty year old man, like a like a contortionist, basically, that is wearing her face, crawling after her and chasing after her, yeah. she was like it was just such a freaky visual as you're getting blood dumped on you too. Right. Like uh, it was a really intense shoot for her. So uh, their fight is fucking gnarly. She crawls into the foxhole and she gets into the cabin or into the little tool shed. She yeah. gets the chainsaw. Great moment of tension where she's got to knock chainsaw gas I, off a shelf yeah, I and love catch that. it. She just like anytime bolts that's in a movie, yeah, into it. it's so cool. Um, So she pours the chainsaw thing, but then she has to. Crawl between the walls, and this as is one of the biggest fucking. Wince, machete. He's like
0: coming at her. She gets like her arm, the like thigh. As so, it's like it, just getting a little
1: bit of her. Comes through and slices her leg, and the sound design as it's pulling the machete out, and you see it slicing her leg more and more is so fucking effective and good. They said too that's not a prosthetic leg. It's the prosthetic arm from earlier, just positioned in okay. a way to look like her knee. Does that make sense? It's the prosthetic yeah. arm that they cut off with the carver. They just reused yeah. it for a different scene, which is so just fucking. Like the fun elbow to me. is the knee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that fact. That's so cool. Um, so she gets out of there. She crawls under the car. Gets the She's chainsaw She's trying to rub started. the chainsaw.
0: She just can't get it. She's underneath the car, and she
1: finally gets it such a rewarding moment when she fucking chainsaws the demon's leg off immediately this victory is subverted by getting her fucking hand crushed by the car where the demon flips it over i completely yeah. forgot that she loses a hand this is so yeah. fucking crazy the chainsaw is just out of reach she's cuz that's
0: t- that is the thing of like the whole time you're like okay well obviously the <laughs> the brother is the ash equivalent right? and then when this happens and she loses her hand and you go oh no this she she is the ash
1: Yep, of even story. down to the to the part where she ends up tearing her own hand off to grab the chainsaw, and then yep. sticks her stump into it like the chainsaw hand in Evil Dead yep. 2. And, great moment where she uses the chainsaw to face fuck this demon to death. Like, I mean, there's no other way you can really say it, right? Yeah. Like, that's literally uh, what happens.
0: The, a great line reading, though. Feast on this motherfucker, and Feast then on this the chainsaw. She, like, like, yeah, she's fucking it. She goes down a little bit into the yep. chest and then, and then revs it all back up. So, you like <sighs> the whole skull splits in half. I'm this is had to be CGI, but the eye is blinking and then no, goes that's down. that's not
1: CGI. That's really? Jane Levy's half of Jane Levy's face buried in the thing and blinking. Oh my god, yeah, that's crazy. They talk about that because, um, I think Fede was just like, Jane, you actually did this, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's me right there blinking, like, yeah, nuts. So it's like she's partially buried in the and I guess like it's another prosthetic half of her face on the, on other, the other side, side right? Yeah. yeah, Jesus. And then it, yeah, then it sinks into the thing, which is really cool. Um, and then she kind of starts walking towards the sunrise, you know, and it looks very idyllic and beautiful as she kind of walks out. Um, limping, then it, out. Yes, limping, of course. And then it kind of like whips back to the book where it ends in the extended one. There is a mid credit scene that is so fucking useless that it totally makes sense why it was cut out, and I do not know why they put it back in for this one, aside from just, like, again, marketing, I guess, like we need to sell the Blu-ray. But she's walking down the road mid-credits. A truck pulls up, and it's just like, hey, you need help, and she's like, gets into the car. She's laying in the back seat. The guy's like, we'll fix you up right as rain, and then it just kind of zooms in on her eye, which snaps open, but it's not a possessed eye. It's just her normal eyes. Hmm. It's useless. Tease her um, something? I don't know. What I think there's a post-credits scene. Think
0: of uh, and yeah, and then we have Groovy.
1: Yeah, Bruce Campbell appears yeah. in silhouette, turns the camera, and says Groovy. I don't know. It was just that little treat, I suppose.
0: I think so. Yeah. Um, when the brother first comes and Jane Levy's in the back of the cabin, she's like sitting on an old mm. car. Is that the Raimi
1: car? It's not the same model, but it looks out like it. It's the okay, same because- uh, manufacturer, though.
0: I would have assumed that he would have put this that in that car in this one as well, but maybe not, since he just produced it. It's the same manufacturer. I know that's one of his favorite
1: things to yeah. do. It's not the it's not it's not the exact model, but it's it looks enough like it that it is a reference. Um and of course that got a big cheer when I first saw that at the screen. Yeah. Um that one and the skull the necklace, when David picks it up later, it's in right. the shape of a the, the the chain is in the shape of a skull.
0: Well, let's give some final thoughts, and we're going to rate this as we did last time. Do you remember what we rated it out of? No. Pencils in the ankle? was Pencils probably. in the ankle, yeah, which that was does it. not happen in this movie. No. so uh,
1: But hey, we established last week what we were doing, so we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say, if I, <laughs> if I were not doing Pencils in the Ankle, um, I would say Chainsaw Face Fucks, but uh, we'll do Pencils in the bad. Ankle. Not bad. yeah Yeah. so um oh just talking about that little post-credits scene too at one point there was an idea floating around for potential development of army of darkness 2 which would have involved jane levy teaming up with ash in the past as both people who fought the deadites would have been fun i think it would have been kind of cool um it is interesting though because like the tone of this one to me I don't know if it would totally work with the tone that Bruce Campbell brings to stuff nowadays, especially.
0: I don't think so. It's too tongue-in-cheek.
1: Yeah, but I know Jane Levy. I think she's been. She said she wants to come back and do something else. Fede Alvarez says he wants to do something else. Like they they want to do it again. They should do it again, man. It's literally been ten years. Holy shit! That's insane. My God, Um, this movie's ten years old. Wow. Uh, Hey. Being a 10 year old movie, would you say it's been long enough to call this a classic now? Because to me, watching it again, like, it's got so much going for it, you know? It's like. Well, the problem
0: is that it's a remake and that the originals are so iconic. Would you call, like, King Kong a classic? Peter Jackson? Well, I guess it. Yeah, it depends on, like, how great it is no one not a lot of people really enjoy that but like it's you know been enough time there is the original like i feel like that's a hard thing to sell i i would not use the word classic it's i don't know i I I think it's on its way there
1: i think it's on its way there i think as time goes on when it first came out like i said i remember reading some mixed reviews but nowadays i feel as though most people who watch it are very positive positive. And um, he shouted it a few times. uh, Sean Perry, who hosts uh, Nashville CA, this is his favorite movie in the series. And I think uh, I remember Kill saying too that I think her favorite is the original, but right after that is this one. She likes this one more than two in Army of Darkness. Uh, People do really love this movie, and I feel like it absolutely has established its place in this franchise as like, just it's right up there with the others. Maybe it slides a little bit because of that lack of Sam Raimi craziness and inventiveness in a lot of ways. But what this one sets out to do, it does really well. It takes the bones of this original movie that I fucking love so much, adds a modern take to everything, but still has a feeling of timelessness to it where what makes it, what makes it stand out in terms of what makes it like very 2010s ish is the extreme violence, right? Is that kind of like, grudge core um as like look to the to the violence um the, the whole edginess of like the tongue splitting the carver it, it, it feels like something that couldn't exist without things like saw or hostile you know the, yeah um in, in a way that i i think is good this it, is a good version of that type of horror uh, what makes it kind of timeless is they point this out in the commentary. There's no cell phones. You never see a cell gonna phone say used. There's it, no it, computers. There's like basically no pieces of technology anywhere. It's not it really, really clear when this even like, takes
0: place. Yeah, to the original of like it. I mean, yeah. anything before cell phones, technology like it could be any time. Yeah, it, it, the camera look to it like gives it that modern view. but yes. it, you're right. It is. It could be any point of time.
1: I feel like the costuming of the characters has done well enough that, like, Eric has, like, a 70s look to him, but not overly 70s, like, someone dressed up in a period piece, you know what I mean? And none of
0: the girls look, you know, overly modern or 80s or anything, yeah.
1: So, I feel like as as a remake, it makes such smart choices in order to, like, not stick out, like, a sore fucking thumb, like some remakes really can, you know, especially remakes of, like, slasher or splatter films where it's a bunch of teenagers or, like, young people. Like, you can overly... You can make them overly modern. I feel like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is so fucking modern and, like, stuck in its day, you know. Um, Or the Friday the 13th remake to a point, too. I feel like that one's a good movie, but, like, the depiction of the teens in that one (laughs) is so 2009 that, like... You know, which is fine in a franchise where the Friday the 13th are so fucking 80s. So, you know, you can't complain too much about that. Um, Anyway, anyway, anyway. I feel like for somebody like me, if this movie was bad, I would not shy away from calling it bad at all. I feel like there are absolute problems in its pacing at points. It's a little start and stop as opposed to the original, which like as soon as you have the ankle stab with the pencil in the original... It's off to the it fucking races, off. and right. it never yeah. it never lets up, save for maybe a few minutes here or there. Um, this one, you have, like, there's an attack, and they kind of, like, stop and talk to Eric, like, Eric, what's happening? Kind of a thing, you know, before the next kind of thing happens. And it takes um, a
0: while to get there anyways. Yeah.
1: And while I really do love the brother-sister story in this one, there's not a ton of, like, personality to some of the other characters, especially Natalie. Which is fine. Yeah, you kind of you yeah. kind of want a little more to make them memorable and really stand out. But you know, I feel like even the original, there's like Scott's girlfriend is barely a character, so it, whatever. Right.
0: But I was thinking like you could add more into that if you make Olivia and uh, Poochie like a couple, and the fact yeah. that like she's attacking them, and then he has to murder his own girlfriend.
1: Yes. Um. I I feel like where this one is missing a little bit compared to the original, which to me is, you know, far and away a five-star movie. Um, This one, it's not fair to this movie, but this one just doesn't have that low budget, independent, holy shit, holy shit, you've never seen anything like this before element that the original has. Like when you watch that original and you had that combination of the insane dismemberment, the stop motion effects at the end just, like, the crazy camera movements of Sam Raimi, it all feels so fresh and so fucking inventive and, like, nothing you'd ever seen up to that point. Literally, for me, it was the first time I was ever experiencing anything like that in terms of horror. And it, like, forever radically altered my brain and what I want from horror movies. This one doesn't have that freshness to it. It's it's extremely well-executed for what it is. But it just doesn't had that same cultural impact, which is maybe unfair to it because I was like, what can? You know, like there's nothing
0: completely new in it. Yeah. It
1: feels like. Interestingly, I think Don't Breathe gets at something more inventive and fresh. You know what I mean? Not being a remake. So these guys have that energy in them, which is which is interesting. I feel like Don't Breathe and what that pulls off uh in terms of its story and subverting your expectations and then that genuine fucking like stomach churning reveal with the you with the turkey baster. That is more aligned to what Evil Dead did in the 80s, you know. Long winded way of saying this is 4.3 uh, pencils in the ankle slash chainsaw face fucks. I think it's like it's extremely well done from what it is. In terms of remake, you almost can't do much better of a beloved classic, I, you know. I'm pretty much right there with you. I wrote yeah. down 4.3.
0: Yes, and I'm not I'm not moving my my needle. Um I think I mean you put it very well. I think the only thing I can can add is uh it's an inventive reimagining, which is what a remake if you're not going to do a shot for shot, you really do need to try to change enough of it to to have these expectations that you can subvert. Like you can have you know it's the same idea five people in a cabin in the woods evil book in the basement all like all these little uh big pinpoints are there but the way that they're wrapping the story around them is is different and i really do appreciate that like we've gotten into as well that there are themes in this movie of like yeah. addiction and and um family troubles mental illness
1: yeah and um, it's and it's not hammered into you like that was another thing i had with smile no. where it's like okay you're talking about mental issues with smile and her mom had a mental you're talking issue about trauma yeah yep,
0: yep. like overly selling trauma, yeah this trauma,
1: this is trauma. one where it has that tra- that it has that trauma aspect to it like a lot of modern horror does but it's also implementing that into the actual horror in a way where they both stand equal it's not like okay you're just lecturing us about trauma now it's not just that that's how smile felt to me at a certain point um it's not like a lesson on how trauma it's like just using the trauma alongside the horror as a metaphor as a vehicle yeah um Mm -hmm.
0: you know and this one's interesting in that like the end she is facing herself and that we all have our inner selves that we're wrestling with she is wrestling with wanting to do i'm gonna keep saying heroin like she wants to do i'm pretty
1: sure that's what it was yeah
0: yeah and um you know fighting yourself coming out the other end and realizing that there's reasons to live uh mm-hmm. so yeah 4.3 pencils in the ankles chainsaw face fucks it's uh, uh it's yes. it's doing it pretty perfectly for for what it can do
1: another light criticism and I, I this is not an original thought by me i read this on letterbox but i agree with them but somebody said it is a little disappointing that the deadites in this one aside from mia don't talk as much yes um, i i would have talks to more, the very end
0: but i would have liked some more taunting yeah um the way and i'm i'm thinking i can't remember if it's one or two but when she's in the basement and and the, the door keeps like Clanging yeah. up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, it's kind of it's, it's and, kind of both. I would say both. It's yeah. jarring. Yeah. Um, oh
1: man. But yeah, it's that's, just it's thinking of, <laughs> thinking about that second one. Um, fucking Ted Raimi as Henrietta is yeah, one of the great. best performances in those movies and all the franchise. Yeah. Someone's in my fruit cellar. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> it's lovely. If you haven't played the Evil Dead game, to anybody out there. It's a pretty fun game, like I think for the most part, like, you know, it's uh got some shagginess here and there, but like if you like those um asymmetrical multiplayer games, like it's a pretty fun one. You can play as Mia alongside Bruce Campbell and alongside uh Very fun. You I know, need to pick it up. All the I, characters, you know, I enjoyed yeah. the
0: Friday the thirteenth one. I'm looking forward to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, so I I should just, yeah, go ahead and do mm-hmm. that.
1: It's fun and you could also play as has Henrietta. You can play as Ted Raimi. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week for Evil Dead, New Year, New Look. We're going to continue talking about remakes of movies we have already covered, and we are going to be doing a remake of a remake. That's right. We're talking about it. The 2007 smash hit with the <laughs> uh, obvious like, best actors of the day, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig in The Invasion. Uh, yeah. We talked about uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers way back in the day. This is a very early episode. I, I'm trying to even pull what month that was from.
1: Uh, uh, it's our so. second month ever. Um, Assimilation August.
0: Assimilation <laughs> August. There you go.
1: So, right, we're going to be talking about
0: this one. Um, until then, you can always rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email, at weeklypodcastmassacre.gmail.com both Twitter and Instagram, at Weekly Massacre. Hit us up. Let us know if you've tried to take your own family member to an isolated cabin to uh, detox from drugs, if you have ever used a, an electric um, carver to carve yourself, if you uh, give really bad jewelry as presents. I don't know what else to... If you have, a, if you have an animal named Grandpa... Hit us up. <laughs> let us know. Uh, but if until you've ever next been time, a
1: total badass and knocked something off, a sh- like to hit a shelf in order to like knock something down, and it perfectly so landed dope. in your hand, it's yeah. so dope.
0: The way she does it, mm-hmm. and then they're like uh, the the way her hand is shaking and she can't get hardly any gas in there. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, until next time, feast on this motherfucker. Uh, me is not here. You fucking idiot. Uh...
1: Something about that line reminded me of, like, Chucky or something. I don't know. Like just I, can, the, the, I can see a little Brad Dourif yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye.